This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, it's the off-season edition of Civilized Barking. Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd. We're about 72 hours removed from um, the Browns having the scrimmage against the Bengals from it being the end of the season. Um, Listen, every NFL game does count uh, because guys are putting their bodies and lives on the line and guys are being evaluated. So good for Dearness Johnson, who everybody can agree is likable and everybody can agree is a legitimate NFL player. He showed that this year. Uh, There wasn't a lot to gain otherwise. I think that reflected in the quality of the play. I think it, you know, summed up the Browns special team season, all of that. But look, we know what's at stake. We know what's out there and we know what's disappointing. And Jason, I, I... I want to start here. Um, you know, it's disappointing to everyone that the Browns aren't playing this weekend for a couple of reasons. One, the AFC has never been more wide open, and it'll probably still be Kansas City, right? But Mahomes was mortal for half the year. The division was an absolute train wreck. Cincinnati got hot for a small stretch in December and won it. And two, like, the Browns were in the playoffs last year. They were in the AFC's Final Four, which is where you need to be to say you're a legit contender. And we expected better. So nobody should have expected perfect. I think nobody should have expected legit Super Bowl team. But this is a good team. This was not supposed to be 8-9. and nine, And this was not supposed to be the spiraling, roller coaster, drama-filled 8-9 um, and nine that it was. That All that sound fair to you? How about them Cavs, huh? Cavs guy, Kobe Altman. He's going to be here longer than anyone else. We all knew that. He's going to be here longer than I am, that's for sure. We didn't think Kobe Altman was going to be here longer than the Scottish Hammer, and here he is. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, Evan Mobley has changed the, the fate of Cleveland. Uh, but anyway, I guess we might as well go ahead and finish making this a, a Browns podcast. I just thought of that and had to, had to get that line in. Uh, yeah, it's it's – of course, it's disappointing. And, you know, I mean, you look at the start of the year, Baltimore loses every running back they have before the season even begins. And Ben is as old and fat as I am. Like, if there was ever a year to win the division, this is it. And, and I, you know, I tweeted after the game, I still think the Browns have the best roster in the division, 1 through 53. And that's what makes it so maddeningly frustrating. Now, Cincinnati, for sure, is better than, certainly, than I thought they were. Burroughs, legit, we knew that. Uh, and, and, you know, with him healthy and, and the receivers that they have, Cincinnati is clearly superior to the Browns at the quarterback position and the receiver position. Uh, but everywhere else, and I'd probably give the edge to the Browns everywhere else. And and that's why I say one through 53. This, this team should be the division winner this year. I said before the year, I thought they'd win the division and host a playoff game, host a first round playoff game. Somewhere in that 10 and 7, 11 and 6 range. And and that's just not what it was. Uh, and, you know, that's coaching. That's culture. It's all those things that we thought that Kevin Stefanski sprinkled some magic fairy dust and waved his wand last year and fixed. And turns out that wasn't the case. And it's it's hard to reverse 20 years of nonsense with one good year. And, and we thought we were past some of this stuff. We're not. We thought the Browns had sort of put the wheels back on the franchise. I'm not saying all four wheels are off, but there's a couple blood nuts that need tightened I, I, for sure. And, and you just, you know, this is a big off season. This is a big off season for a lot of reasons. We'll get into it. And, you know, if, if Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski really want to hitch their wagon to Baker, I, I shudder about what that may mean for next off season. Yeah. Uh, I think that's well said. And, you know, I think the truth is in the middle in sports and in life, right? Most of the time. Uh, and, and in the NFL specifically, we all forget that because we we go so high and low every week, right? And sometimes between one and four on Sunday, you go high and low three or four times. Um, but I think it's completely fair to say this, and you tell me if it's not, but kind of just following what you just said. I think it's completely fair to say what you said is right. The Browns are in fine shape roster-wise. The Browns are a couple of tweaks and, and a little bit of luck and bounces from right there playing for the division title. And I also think it's fair to say that there's a chance that one year from now they'll be considered a complete disaster again. 
Yeah. I, I, part of that's just the margin of error in the NFL. Right? Yes, like, part of that is. Part of that is. And you and, taught and, me that. You, <laughs> yeah. You, and no, I you also, did. You taught me that. Well, and I also think it's safe to say uh, Barry and Stefanski were the toast of the town a year ago in that we can think that they're smart guys and we can think that the organization's in good hands. And they also have plenty to prove because the standards are different. The bar is high it's supposed to be, right? And if they don't get the offensive line back and if the defense doesn't play again to the level that it played the last six weeks of the season that, that went for completely not, and then the quarterback thing, if they get two of those three things wrong, then what do you think next January is going to be like? I'm not saying they should be fired or they will be fired. I'm saying the reality is if they ride with Baker Mayfield and if all of those things don't come together and if they don't win 10 games and get back in the playoffs, then it will be deemed a complete disappointment and, and potentially a disaster because this team was teetering, right? There's chemistry issues. That's obvious. There's major offensive issues. That's obvious. And th- some of it is, like you said, margins for error and things happen in the NFL. And you have to be mature enough and strong enough and smart enough to ride the wave and come out feeling okay. Right? But it just kind of feels like we're, we're a little – we're right on that line here of this could go one way or this could go the other. And, I mean, a, a bunch of that is the quarterback spot. Let's just be honest, but that's not all of it the way I read it. No, it's not. And you bring up a great point on the tackles. Jedrick Wills really was sort of invisible this year at left tackle. And is that was that the high ankle sprain he never really got over? I'm not giving Baker any passes on injury. Can't really give it to him either. And and obviously losing Conklin at right tackle, that's a huge deal uh, for, for this year. And what's he going to come back like next year? And, and, you know, the Browns had, when they're healthy, they had one of the best lines in the NFL. And I, I just I, I still think it's a really good line. Obviously, the Teller extension, Petonio uh, Petonio might be the best left tackle on the team, and he's playing guard. So uh, I'm I'm curious to see how that looks. Um, and, and I guess I'm just concerned about about the the ownership factor in all of this because I actually I, I like where they're at. And it's funny it was you say you know a year ago Barry and Stefanski were the toast of the town and. And here we are today, Kobe Altman and J.B. Bickerstaff for the toast of the town. <laughs> look how fast things change. Uh, but, you know, I still think I 100% believe in these guys. I think Andrew Berry's got far more hits than misses. You know, Greg Newsome, J.O.K. Uh, you know, again, Jedrick Wills. I, at worst, I think he's a serviceable left tackle. You know, and that's that, that's his floor, I think. So, and you're only going to go up from there. And, and I think Delpit's a player. Like, I think he's done really well with, with draft picks. And uh, I think he's hit more free agent signings than he's missed. So I, I like where Barry has this team. I still believe in Kevin Stefanski wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, we've heard all about the alignment with them and, and, and Paul DiBodesta. Obviously, that still exists. So I hope they don't do anything rash. But I think you're right in that if we go through this again, and it looks like this again, and it's a losing season again, I don't know that anybody is safe, and I don't want to go through that again. I think it would be a mistake. These guys aren't responsible for bringing Baker here. Uh, they may be stuck with him because of the contract situation, and you know maybe there is nobody better to go get. I've said all along, you know, I've I've said it a hundred times. I'll keep saying it. The Rams didn't know who their quarterback was going to be. They just knew they had to improve, and maybe we're going to get to the end of the trade season and free agency. And the Browns are going to say, he's the best that we've got. We've got to go with it again. Uh, but, you know, this wasn't Stefanski and Barry's decision to bring him here. They have him now. And and certainly Andrew was talking this week like they can fix him. We can rebuild him. Okay. You know, it's it's really easy to say that now. I don't believe it necessarily. I still think they would try and get off, get off him if they could. Uh, but I, I think that there's really nothing else that he could say at this moment. Yeah, it goes quickly. Um, the class of 18 was the culture changer around here, right? That was Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, and Nick Chubb. Now two of those guys are good. One's extended. One will be. The other two might not be here. A lot of people would say we don't need them here. <laughs> right? Both were injured. Um, 
both are due a lot of money. <laughs> uh, you know, it 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 goes quickly. Um, Nick Chubb's sitting at home with more energy than your 11 year old son. He's ready to go. <laughs> Denzel Ward needs some time off, but he showed he's a 50 million dollar corner. Right? Don't tell me he's injury prone, guys. He misses two games a year. He's phenomenal. <laughs> you don't let those guys walk, right? Okay, so stop right there for one second because clearly this team is not averse to handing out midseason extensions. They did it with Teller. They did it with Petonio. And I think I asked you this during the game. I don't know that we discussed it on the podcast. Maybe we did. I don't think Are you have. surprised? Are you surprised that Denzel was not extended during the uh, season? If it was the injury bugaboo, whatever – I don't know what else he has to prove, given this year, that he's worthy of it. I'm I'm a little surprised something didn't get done during the season. Yeah, I, I am too, to an extent, um, in the way you frame it. Like, yeah, but I think, Jason, I think he's the one of them all where the price of it really, there are a lot of variables there. You know, I, I think, I mean, Chubb took a team-friendly extension. Um, they got yes. in with Miles Garrett and they signed him, um, you know, before Bosa did, right? But, but to what? a top pass rusher gets, you know, they had, they had given market above what you have to do in the first eight hours of free agency to the Conklins and to the Hoopers. And we'll get to that too. But I think with Denzel Ward, I think there really does come down to some money and how you're going to frame it. And I think the Browns obviously when they do will protect themselves and make it, you know, basically a, a two, two and a half year, extension and and what's going to happen here is they don't know the budget can go a bunch of different ways this year um based on what they do at quarterback and what they decide on Landry on Hooper on JC Treader right on Case Keenum I mean Case Keenum's probably gone that's an automatic 6 million dollar savings but the other ones you're talking about you know almost 30 million dollars depending on how it's shaped with possible restructures or do you do a post June one cut on Hooper and all this stuff if, if you want to move on. Right. So I think there's some variables there and in next year, 23, the cap goes way up. So I think it comes down to structure because what they did with miles and, and what they would do, if it's a true extension, you know what Denzel is going to make next year. And then it would just be in, in how, how all that goes. Um, you know, for a top corner, it's $19 million a year. You know, it's upwards of 50 guaranteed. So I think there really is some some variance and probably some questions uh, in, in how you structure that. So I, I think that's probably it more than anything. I mean, listen, there is nothing in Denzel Ward's background or, you know, character or something that gives you any pause, right? The guy works his ass off. Uh, he did struggle with multiple minor injuries early in the season. And then in the back half of the season, you saw the absolute best of Denzel Ward and you saw why you pay him. So I think that's just a matter of timing. And I think like there's no decision on Jarvis Landry. Well, why would there be until you know the shape of the offense, right? I think they probably are moving on from JC Treader. I think it probably wasn't coincidence that JC Treader was the game captain last Sunday and he's been the Iron Man, never missed a snap smart, tough, everything you want to be. It's easy to look on the books and say, we save almost 10 million. See you, JC, you're going to be 31. It's a lot easier to look. It's a lot more difficult to look in the locker room and say to Petonio and Treader and to the quarterback, or I mean, Teller and to the quarterback, JC's not here anymore because we needed to save the money. <laughs> right? So um, we will see. We will see on that. Uh, I think going into this season, Jason, I think they looked and they said, at the end of the year, we're going to draft a center and we're going to draft some pass rushers. We're going to add one guy to the receiving core and we're going to go get back to doing what we do. And instead, you're looking and saying, oh, my God, our whole pass game bottomed out. Um, what do we do here? And, and I, it's, I don't think it's easy, guys, is as easy, guys, as saying let's draft a first-round receiver and let's go. Because if you don't know what the hell you're doing a quarterback or if you don't know you can get that guy the ball or if you really think you have to – be all in next year anyway. Like, what's a 20-year-old receiver really going to do in this offense? <laughs> like, th these are fair questions. Of course you need more playmakers and, of course, more talent. And, and to go back to your point on the Bengals, they throw the ball down the field and they make kicks, and that's why they're in the playoffs. And the Browns don't. <laughs> so so there's a lot of layers to this, and, and none of these decisions are easy. Um, to Hooper specifically, his money is not guaranteed, 
but he carries an $11 million cap hit for next year. So the Browns could spread that out over two or three years using the post-June 1 cut provision. They could just swallow it and move on, or they could say, well, we have to we have to pay this cap hit anyway. Um, we obviously misevaluated him as a number one tight end, but the guy blocks his ass off. It's hard to find tight ends. If we're going to pay him anyway, we might as well have him back. And Njoku's a free agent and has the leverage in this negotiation. He's not even a full-time player. <laughs> he's he's going to make $8 million. <laughs> Why? Because nobody that? has tight ends. <laughs> How about and, that? Yeah, and because you need tight ends in this in this offense. So I, I don't know. I, I suppose there's some revamp of this offense, but it's not like you can suddenly go four wide all the time. You don't have four. Hell, you, you, you have like 1.25 receivers right now. Like Peoples Jones is, has, there's a lot there to work with. I mean, he he had a bad year. Yeah, he didn't yeah. catch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Jarvis yeah. Landry had, you know, was there were three games where Jarvis Landry was still Jarvis Landry. He's 29 years old. He made, you know, you save $15 million on his current contract. It's kind of a no-brainer to cut him. Well, what do you need that money for? How do you replace that production? Another free agent receiver that's, 26 years old? Like, I don't know. How injured is Jarvis? What is Jarvis's desire to be here? We don't know. Jarvis Landry hid from the media. Team leader Jarvis Landry hid from the media, starting with the Odell Circus on. It leaves us to assume. Guys, why is it important that they talk to the media? Because guys share the message. They control the message to a certain bit. And Jarvis has always been friendly, always been upfront. How does he get the reputation of team leader? He comes and he talks about the good times, the bad times, changing the culture. The shit's contagious from hard knocks, right? He talks about that, where that's developed from, the importance of doing the little things every day if you're going to quit being a laughingstock in this league. When he goes and hides, we can only assume that he doesn't want to say something that he comes to regret or, or that causes further division in the locker room. That's all. That's all we can do is assume. Yeah, and I was talking to someone with the organization and said, "I it feels like Jarvis has taken the approach of if you've got nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. And that's basically exactly what it was. So, no, I don't think he does want to be here. He was he was traded here. He got his money. He got paid by the Browns. I don't think he wants to be here anymore. I, I don't know how much more evident that has to be. He has to make that. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, it's a big number on him. But he's also the only professional you have at that position. So I don't know how you get better when you talk about revamp the pass game. I don't know how you get better without him. Uh, but I think that's something they're going to have to figure out because, no, I don't think he's back next year. And uh, I, I, I think that's the way he wants it. I don't, you know, I haven't talked to him directly and I don't right, want to no put words has. in his mouth. Right, because <laughs> no one has. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but all of his actions that you just laid out indicate he doesn't want to be here anymore. And uh, I, I just don't know. I don't know how you get better there when you lose, when you don't have a lot to begin with and you lose your best piece. Right. And, and like the history, specifically the recent history of free agent receivers is awful. Mm-hmm. It is. So like by all rights, Peoples Jones can take a leap. By all rights, Anthony Schwartz third round pick could take a leap because, you know, jumping over a shoebox would be a leap from where he is currently. And, 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 and part of it is the Browns knew that. Right. Yeah. Um, but so you're going to add another 21 year old to the receiving core, and you're going to go win the AFC. Yeah. It's yeah. That's it's tough. That's tough. It's hard. And DPJ especially. I mean, he was the talk of camp, and everybody thought this is the year. This is the year. He had his opportunities, and and he flopped. Yeah. And and you know maybe he's not a one. Maybe maybe that's too quick of a. Well, he's certainly not a one. But but he he needs to finish plays. I thought he, he could be in the right. I thought he could be. Yes. I thought in training camp he was on that trajectory. He was on that projection to where he could be that guy. And, boy, did he not have a good year. Uh, and is it just a young guy sort of figured it out? Like we said, he didn't really get a lot of reps at Michigan for a variety of reasons, and he's still figuring out the NFL, and, and maybe he does make that leap still. But I, I was really disappointed in, in where that's at. And it's, it's a tall task in front of him, man, it's yeah. a, to, to reshape that room. Well, it, I like the way you phrased it there because as we kind of transition into the one one guy in one spot that everybody you know, you know that that hangs over everything and is going to um, outside of Batonio Teller, Chubb, and Hunt, Jason, this is the question: 
Are guys figuring out the NFL, or did the NFL figure out the Browns? And the truth is probably in the middle, right? But, like, you know, there were a lot of players who hit the wall this year. And if you just look at it, um, here's the reality. We'll see what happens at quarterback because I don't don't fully believe that – I don't partially believe that there won't be some search of some level. If you think they bring Clowney back and then split the difference on what we said, on all the other free agents and on Hooper, Landry, Treader, all these guys, if half of them go, half of them stay. This is a team that's still going to bring back like 20 of its listed starters. It's still going to, a team that's going to bring back most of its top 35 guys. Right, the first plug in at, at linebacker. Everywhere but receiver. The core of the team is going to be back. Right, Ronnie Harrison's a free agent. Njoku's a free agent. Malik Jackson's probably not going to be back, you know, depending on where you need to budget or where you think young guys are ready to step in. You you can do that, but like, you don't just let like proven NFL players in the back seven go because you need those guys. All right. You don't just let offensive line depth go because you need those guys. So like, this is a run it back situation. And to me, more importantly than what they can add again, outside of the receiving court is those guys have to play better. Grant Dilpit has to play better. Donovan Peoples-Jones has to play better. Jacob Phillips has to be healthy and has to take a leap, right? Jordan Elliott has to be an NFL player, right? Or else you have major, major holes on the roster. You just do. So um, I think we've touched on what we can touch on. Is there anything else you want to get to before we go full into the quarterback? Well, we yeah, you spent a lot of time on on Landry and Hooper, but just and and we didn't really talk too much about Clowney. Uh, he certainly had a better year than I thought that he would. I was down on the signing because I said four teams in four years. You know, there's a reason why, and and he he was better than I thought he would be. I don't think he was dominant, but he certainly had a better year than I was expecting. So of those three, Landry, Clowney, and Hooper. Are they all gone? Are they all back? I don't think they're all back. What do you think? Who's back and who's not of those three? Uh, I, I think Clowney is a, a lock. Not a lock. It's close to a lock to be back. Because I think the Browns need him. I think he needs the Browns. I think he has a unique situation here where he's not looked upon as the savior. Right? Mm-hmm. I think he has a unique situation here. For the first time in four years, he gets a chance to stay. Where the coaches know him, the training staff knows him, and vice versa. He feels comfortable. Um, he, he can do his thing. He, there, you know, he's a freelancer to an extent. He's a free spirit to an extent. All of these things that have followed him because he's ridden the wave because he got hurt in his very first NFL game eight years ago. And it's kind of followed him. Right. Like, I just think it makes sense. And the only way you're paying Jadavian Clowney 11, 12 upwards million in his age 29 season is two things. One, you feel good about all of those things. His mental and physical health, which which the Browns should, and two, you think you can win the Super Bowl, because otherwise you're not paying for a mercenary, and that's what he is. So <laughs> he he actually in December and January has done about five or six interviews, and those of you guys who have, who follow post game press conferences and watch during the week have seen that. And he's he's funny, he's sharp, he knows what he's saying, and he's been careful to say that he wants to be back without committing. Um, but for like two or three months, we didn't talk to him. So, and, and I tried, we kept requesting him. He did an event and I went out to interview him. And, um, you know, after he did the standard questions, I basically said, Jadavian, you know, apologize for asking these here, but we haven't talked to you. Like I, I have to. And it was funny, Jason, I asked him some, some kind of big picture questions about his past and about his career and about, you know, his desire to come back or not be known as this guy that does this. And at one point he, say I was to his uh, right side he's he was looking back to the left side there was only about four of us here it wasn't like a true group interview and he started to answer this question and he turned back around to me and he said and another thing I want you to be clear (laughs) I I've left because I want to it's not like any of these places never wanted me back so whether he just was saying that or whatever I don't know but I, I feel pretty good about his situation as little Greg Williams in him there yes yes um as to Hooper and Landry, like I said, it, it, it's easy based on the finances to say you're going to move on, although Hooper's extra complicated because why would you pay a guy $11 million to not play when the alternative is to play? Uh, you know, he's clearly not a top tight end, and the, the drops have been painful, and the running four yards and falling down is painful to watch. 
<laughs> but there aren't a lot of guys on this planet who are that big and block that way and can catch the ball. And he, he can catch the ball. So, um, I, again, probably split the difference. I think if Jarvis really wants out and any kind of renegotiation is no thanks. And then with Hooper, they would have to decide, do we want to post June 1, designate this, and do we want to split it out over two years? Or do we want to take the other two options, which is just swallow it and move along in a message that we're not going to stand for underachievement? Or do we want to say we're committed to $11 million on our salary cap anyway, we might as well play this guy and see if we can get something out of him? Kind of feels like to me that you pay him to play. But we'll see. Again, this is... It will all how you shape your pass game will all depend on who your quarterback is. If you have a remedial pass game and you really need those tight ends, we'll see. If you have an advanced level pass game, maybe Jarvis Landry wants to be back. Again, we're left to assume for him because he won't talk. All right. We're already at the doorstep. Let's just dive in. What do um, you do? Well, the reality is what Andrew Berry laid out in saying, and saying, and the only things he can say, again, the reality are we've seen Baker play well. We have. We trust that he bounced back. There was a lot going against him. There was. He gets healthy. He comes back. We feel good. Okay. But as you listen and as you watch, but specifically as you listen, it's – we like his toughness. We've seen him play well. Maker's been here. It's not. We like his pocket presence. <laughs> we like his decision making. The injury just flat out limited him in three areas. And when he comes back and can roll left and make that throw, we'll be back to scoring 27 points a game. It's none of that because it's because none of that's true. They married him. They got engaged to him with that fifth year option. They didn't marry him. Uh, what what we heard yesterday, Jason, was so notable because this they never answer anything. They never say anything. And when it was going well, they were careful not to say we're committed to Baker Bayfield. And he never used the C word yesterday. But, you know, it sounds like that they feel like their plan is going to be to bring him back. And um, there's there's many things to that. Number one, as you touched on earlier. Um, if he was playing well, and if there were any signs of this relationship working for the Browns, it wouldn't matter that he's not their guy, right? It'd be the last thing we talk about. We'd say this is this is who they got, and, and they roll together, the coach, GM, and the quarterback. I mean, look who got fired in the league this week, right? Guys who didn't have a real quarterback. But um, it just it, – I don't know. I, I think if you meet in the middle – of Baker's two good seasons, two bad seasons, of Baker's um, energy and us against the world attitude and Baker's immaturity and the exhaustion that comes with the Baker Mayfield experience. Meet in, meet in the middle of all of that, healthy and not healthy, right? Freddie Kitchen's year in 2020. There is no way that anyone can say the middle of that is good enough to win big prizes. And there is no way that regardless of what's said on Zoom, when these guys sit in the room, whether the owners are there or not, whether Alex Van Pelt's there or not, whether Deep Dust is there or not, there is no way that anybody, Barry's number two and three men who are interviewing elsewhere, the whole staff, part of the staff, just the coach and GM, there is no way that anywhere in that evaluation says this is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. This is an AFC championship quarterback. This is an AFC North champion quarterback because he's not. He's flat out not. There's 60 games on tape. He's not. He's the third best quarter. He's the third best quarterback in the division. And statistically, this year he got statistically this year he got outplayed by the fourth best quarterback. The fourth. By the fourth. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they're in the playoffs. And the Browns scored 10 points in a home game with a chance to beat them. Now that was in late October. That was at the time that he really should not have been playing. But they continued to play him. Hell, then they played that team a second time around, and they fed him to T.J. Watt. Romans versus Lions. 
And now, 11 days later, we, we can't wait to see this guy play again. Hold up. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like I just wrote two and a half paragraphs and turned in the story. And you look at it and say, where's the rest of it? <laughs> and I said, sorry, well, it's, it's mid-January. I'm on the beach. Sorry, that's what you get. <laughs> well, one thing has been made clear to me in these exit interviews, and that's Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry are not giving him a pass for the injury. I know fans want to. They're not. Both of them said in their own way, everybody's got something. Everybody's dealing with something. And, and in fact, that's like the direct quote from, from Andrew was, reality is you get late in the year and everybody's fighting through something. And then he sort of covered himself and said, you know, that obviously there's different levels of severity and all that and doesn't want to minimize an injury. But he flat out told you, everybody's dealing with something. You have to fight through it and figure it out. So the Browns are not giving Baker a pass because of the the labrum or anything else that that he was hurt with all year. And I got a column going up today. It may even post before this podcast gets out. But I was looking at his, his quarterback rating. And quarterback rating is not by any means the end-all be-all uh, way to grade quarterbacks, but it is a pretty decent standard of measure because the higher the number, the better the quarterback. It's sort of the way that it works. Baker's rating this year is 83.1. Since 2018, there are 17 quarterbacks, 17 starting quarterbacks with a rating worse than Baker's this year. Four. And by the way, he's on that list. I, I took, I kept him off. He's on that list with his 2019 year. So it's actually 18. But if you remove his season, 17 other quarterbacks in the last three years had a rating worse than Baker's this year. Four of them returned the next year in starting roles. And we're not talking – I mean, Josh Allen is on that list because of a terrible rookie year, and then obviously he sort of figured things out. But the rest of that list is guys you don't want to be part of. It's Sam Darnold. It's Josh Rosen. It's uh, Kyle Allen is on that list. I'm talking guys with quarterback ratings worse than his. This is not company that you want to be keeping. And, and the only guys who returned to, to that role uh, were guys like Mitch Trubisky in Chicago. He was out one year later anyway. So history is not on his side. Precedent is not on his side. It's not all injury, folks. Like I know there are still people out there who are going to die on that hill who are just sitting there rubbing their Baker dolls saying, you just wait till that shoulder's healed and he's going to show everyone No. <laughs> That's just not the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is guys who play as poorly as he's – and we now have two years of, of Baker playing this poorly. When quarterbacks play as poorly as he did this year, they are not starting quarterbacks for long in the NFL. Right. Um, which leads us to that question. Um, you know, if this was another year, if this was another administration – you would say, absolutely, we're not going to panic. We're going to continue to build around him as we did before the 2020 season. We're going to continue to support him. And as he bounces back, we'll see because we're going to line up um, our evaluations and our assets and go for it. This is a team that has to go for it, Jason, right? This is Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb's age 27 season coming yep. coming along here, right? You mentioned 12 million to Clowney, you know, um, like – as encouraging as the JOK and Newsom uh, growth is, like they're 12 games into their career. They're 21 years old. We don't know how that's going to go. We, we think we know. They look great. But, like, you know, Denzel, um, the the 100 million in guards that you gave, Joel's going to be 31. Teller's going to be 28, right? <laughs> like, um, Nick Kareem Hunt under contract for one more year. So, like, this is this is hard. And you can sit down and when the discussion starts and say, well, it's better than Mitch Trubisky. Well, probably. He's better than Marcus Mariota. Well, probably he's supposed to be. He was supposed to be better than Kirk Cousins too. So in theory, you just say, well, we, there, it doesn't make sense for us to, to go outside or give up assets for what we don't know to be an upgrade. But in reality, it's right now. It's, it's right now. The Ravens are coming back. They're bringing their guys back. Burrow is, and these young receivers who are all younger than Burrow, who's younger than Baker, by the way, right? They're actually going to get him an offensive line. Um, this team's not going anywhere. We don't know who Pittsburgh quarterback is going to be, and we know Pittsburgh is the luckiest team, but Mike Tomlin, 
uh, obviously is pretty good. And they're still going to have T.J. Watt. And they're still going to have Minka. They're still going to have Najee Harris, right, and Deontay Johnson, who doesn't always catch the ball, but is 10 times better than any receiver you have on your roster. So it might be Mason Rudolph, and the Steelers might be in fourth place next year. But how do the Browns get out of third place? Because that's where they've been for two years, third place. You really think it's with Baker Mayfield? Or what happens if the Steelers go and get a quarterback? I, I guess my point is just, I, I, I understand the not wanting to do it just to do it. And the argument has always been, as the argument has shifted from, uh, you're crazy to think that Baker isn't the guy to, okay, you're right, Baker stinks. Uh, but, <laughs> but show me who's better. Once you realize that, like, you can't wait. And, and, again, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's comfortable in these conversations. I'm just laying out, again, in that room. These guys look at each other, man to man. Their jobs and the franchise health at stake. And they say, we know he can't do it. That That's the easy part, right? That's always been the easy part of the Cleveland Browns rebuilds. Come in and strip down, dump, point to the other guy's mistakes, and get rid of them. But you can't wait. You can't. And... You know, I, I don't necessarily think that John Johnson speaking up, speaking his mind is a bad thing. I don't think John Johnson tweeting around the damn ball is a good thing. I don't think it's the reason that the Browns were 8-9, and nine, right? It's just little things. But, guys, John Johnson and Jadavian Clowney and Malik Jackson and Anthony Walker, um, you know, they've, they've played in other places in this league. They know. They've played in January. They know what it looks like. They know this guy ain't it. So internally, you bring them back, uh, and externally. And tell me that external doesn't count, and I want to listen to it, but tell me this team doesn't listen to external. <laughs> You're wrong. Yeah. Every single thing you do if Baker Mayfield is your quarterback, it's going to hang over. You run the ball for 200 and your defense plays great and you win, what's the discussion going to be? Great win, good-looking team. Can he do it in the last two minutes? You get to the last two minutes and he doesn't do it? Or you get to where everybody has a bad game and – We've seen his version of bad, even if it's not Minnesota bad, Detroit bad, first Ravens game bad. It's going to hang over everything. It's going to permeate. I think for the health of the franchise, they have to move on. I just do. I could be wrong about that. Andrew Barry might lay out a closed doors case for me being wrong on that. I'm just telling you, he's not good enough. The evidence is overwhelming. Yeah, you and, I are in agree- you and I are in agreement on that. There is one name I want to throw out because we've talked about various quarterbacks throughout the year. We've mentioned Derek Carr. We've had the Deshaun Watson discussion. We've, we've talked about a lot of these guys. One name that hasn't that we haven't talked about, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on, is Kirk Cousins. Because of what's going on in Minnesota, they just had a complete house cleaning. Obviously, we know Kevin is very familiar with, with Kirk. Obviously, he was familiar with Case Keenum, and that's why Case was here as the backup. Is Kirk Cousins an upgrade over Baker? Is he enough of an upgrade? Is that a viable option, given that it looks like Minnesota's blowing the whole thing up? He's an upgrade. Um, Given what you'd have to pay for him and that he's kind of his own cat and that he's not an elite guy, is it enough of an upgrade? That's, That's for a discussion, right? But I'm just going to lay this out for you guys right now. Um, you know, I don't think Carr is attainable. I don't think Deshaun Watson's happening. And I would love to be wrong on those two. Uh, I don't think Russ Wilson and Rodgers are even worth discussing for two seconds right now. So, guys, there, to me, there's four realistic options. Baker, Kirk Cousins, or you sign Marcus Mariota or Mitch Trubisky and they come in and either compete for the job or, or known as the insurance policy. And then we see how he handles it, how everything handles it. I think those are those are really the realistic ones. And, and you know, maybe a rookie gets drafted at 13. It just it doesn't doesn't feel that, you know, maybe someone else becomes available and there's a swap and, and they've been working on it for months. But. To me, it, it feels like they're either trading for Kirk Cousins for a one-year type situation or they're signing Trubisky or Mariota and bringing them in here and seeing what happens, given that both guys are 27, 28, first-round pedigree experience. 
by the way, Mitch Trubisky has been to more has taken teams playoffs twice. <laughs> so I'm not endorsing. I'm just saying facts there. Um, like these these are more real scenarios than than anybody wants to say. And and to me, sitting here on January 12th, those are the only real scenarios that I see. That's tough. Um, and and when you lay it out like that. I mean, for, for what's involved and for the price you would pay, Trubisky and Mariota probably make the most sense. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know if Trubisky being a local guy, I, I'm, I'm, I, that has no bearing on me whatsoever at all. But I almost wonder if it goes against him because we've been down that road before with Brady um, Quinn and yeah. with Charlie Fry, and it always ends in disaster. If, if this was the draft, it would. Um, since he's been in the league for five years, I don't think that it does. So... Um, in case you guys didn't read my article yesterday, you know, the history lesson here that the fifth year option has been around for 11 years. There's only two quarterbacks who have gotten to to actually play out that fifth season on that fifth year option. One is Mariota, who got benched six or eight games in. The other is Jameis, who played it out, walked, and they brought in Tom Brady. So there's just not precedent here. Yeah. Others have had it declined. Obviously, others have had it picked up, and then they've signed the contract, and it hasn't worked. Jared Goff, Blake Bortles. I mean, Jason, six months ago on this podcast, if we'd have said he's Jared Goff or Blake Bortles, people would have said, you guys, I'm never fucking listening to you again. You don't know shit. Yep. And I probably yep. would have said that to you, too. <laughs> right? I've never thought he's elite or going to be elite, but I would have said he's way better than those guys. Yes. And and I do think, I mean, listen, he's better than what he showed these last six games, right? Like, the, the, Johnny Manziel is better. Than what Baker played these last six games. Like, yeah, I said it, and I'll stand by it. Johnny Manziel was better than what Baker played these last six games. That's not who Baker is. Baker's better than that. And and I just I I'm in lockstep with you. His best isn't good enough because his best isn't consistent enough. His his best he can he can put together his best for three or four or five games. Unfortunately, there's sixteen in the season. Right. It's probably not fair to sit here and say he's terrible because most of the time he's not. Right. Uh, this year, he played four of the worst games an NFL quarterback could play. Yeah, he he did. Uh, so then you take in the up and down nature. I mean, yes, like even before this season, you would have said Baker's better than Kirk Cousins. Yes, yes, and, and so well, that, that might be the option that they have. That might be the option that they have to weigh. Is well, he, there is one other name that you didn't mention that I do think is feasible, and I don't know if we've discussed him on this before or not is Garoppolo. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's semi-feasible. So that, you know, the the Niners drafted Trey Lance last year and the Niners saved 24 million by cutting or trading Jimmy G. So whether Trey Lance is ready or not, this is probably a move they have to make. Right. Kind of feels like the case Keenum might be the backup there, (laughs) you know, when it all, when it all shakes out, because you're going to have to have someone else. Um, yeah, I have not really looked at him as an upgrade and I think he is injury prone and, and who's to say that Baker isn't also going to be injury prone. This is another layer layer to this layer. Yeah. If yep. you, that, that you're probably conveniently ignoring that we accidentally ignored here. Right. Um, when you're a six foot quarterback in this league, you're always going to have something wrong with you. Yes. I, I think, I think that is realistic, Jason, but I, I would pretty confidently right now, again, this is January 12th. Um, I would say that that's behind the four that I laid out because I just, okay. you know, now when Jimmy was hurt and Jimmy was struggling in week eight and the Niners looked like they were going to be the NFL's most disappointing team. And it was just going to be, we turn it over. We flopped again. And everybody said, Kyle Shanahan had, be de- had been de And a lot of this should sound familiar, right? Uh, then it looked like, well, they were just going to cut him or they were going to get us. But now like there's going to be a market for him. They're going to get something. Oh, sure. Him. Absolutely. You know? And, and that fan base isn't going to say, oh, this is our savior. Um, you know, yeah, that he's he's realistic, but I think it's not as realistic as Cousins or just signing one of the other guys and saying, okay, we're going to bring him to camp and we're going to see how this happens because we're going to keep our chips um, for for whatever we, we need to do. And, and there might be some crazy trade out there. I think last year, as you mentioned, everybody knew Stafford was probably going to go somewhere. No, nobody knew where. Right. Um, nobody knew that Mac Jones was going to be the quarterback in New England and be in the playoffs. Nobody knew that Wentz was going to be an in Indy and that they were going to be 
the league's hottest team for six weeks and then totally flop at the end. So he might not be back there. Like, there's a lot of teams. Indy, Pittsburgh, all of these teams are going to be in on all of these guys. So that's why I probably say it's not cheap because somebody's going to pay more for Jimmy G than he's worth and and take a risk. Maybe, maybe that is the Browns, but I I think you would feel better about it being Cousins if it came to that just because there is that relationship, there is that offensive translation, and you go from there. It's going to be zero degrees in Cincinnati on Saturday afternoon. Maybe the Bengals – Roll, maybe the Raiders completely blow it up, and maybe they do trade Derek Carr, a real adult. Not an A-list quarterback, but a real adult. And then, to me, you give a one and two threes, and you go get Derek Carr. But, again, that's that's venturing to me way out. Jimmy G is way, way more reality than that. Right now, anyway. Uh, one last thing. You mentioned him. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about him. Is Kareem Hunt for sure going to be on this team next year? He missed half the year to injury. Dearness Johnson's an NFL player. Does Kareem Hunt have value on the trade market? Yeah, he, he, Kareem Hunt probably has way more value to the, the Cleveland Browns than he does on the trade market. So uh, they could commit to Dearness for what's still a relatively cheap deal, and then you know somebody's running back goes down on August fifteenth to an ACL, and then they move Kareem Hunt. So no, I can't say certainly he is, but out there in March or in these meetings that are going to take place between now and March, he has way more value to the Browns than he does to anyone else. So they wouldn't be looking to trade him. Uh, it's it's a fair question. It's a realistic scenario, but I'd be stunned if any team is saying Kareem Hunt with his injuries and with his baggage and only under contract for one more year is is the piece that's going to get them to the Super Bowl and they would give the Browns something more. You know, yeah. would some team that's going to be going to a young quarterback or looking to fortify, you know, want him? Sure. I mean, he's he's a top ten running back in the league. <laughs> um, I just don't know, you know, what what fair value would be for the Browns as, as they piece things together here. Because look, the Browns found out you need three too. Everybody knows, you know, Dearness is way better than than most teams' number twos. He yep. he just is. So that that is interesting, but that's also way down because they can just give the second round tender, which will cost about three million, and then then do their options from there. They, nobody else is nobody's giving up a second round pick for Dearness Johnson. Right, so that the Browns can insure themselves right there for three million dollars. I mean, they're going to save six just by cutting Case Keenum. Yeah, and then last thing for me, uh, jumping back to Baker, there are so many teams that do need quarterbacks if they are able to move on from him. I guess explain the the, the cap hit that's involved, and in, in, if they do move on, if they were able to trade Baker, what that looks like, and then what do you get for him? When you know Washington needs a quarterback, Carolina needs a quarterback, Denver, Indy, like there's a bunch of teams that I think would have a lot of interest in Baker. What's well, a realistic price tag for him? Yeah, so there would be zero cap hit to the Browns uh, because it's the fifth year option. It's it's guaranteed money, but it would be zero uh, dead money the other way. Um, I don't think, given the injury, the attitude that he would get a day two pick, but there are smarter people than me who tell me I'm wrong on that. So. Um, a third or a fourth round pick. Yeah, it's it's realistic, but but we're talking here not not in the first or anywhere close to the second layer of movement. We're talking in the third or fourth. No team is saying Baker Mayfield's our answer, right? Um, teams that are exploring, that are on the fringe, that are changing, or be looking. So, would Washington, Carolina, the Lions, the Giants, Seattle, if Russ goes. Um, you know, would those teams be interested? You know, who knows what's going to happen in Houston? I think given the fact that Davis Mills played better and didn't really have a college career, I think they'd be silly to bail on him unless they, you know, had a mega, mega guy in the waiting. Baker Mayfield is going to be someone's starter next year, assuming health, right? But, and it's probably going to be here in Cleveland. So there would be a market, Jason, but way more a May market and way more a, you know, okay, we're resigned to the fact that we're in limbo and we'll take this guy for one year. We'll give him a shot and see what works. And, and you know, a hungry, angry, driven baker. We've heard this a million times. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, like, right, if you're Washington with that defense and <laughs> – um, you know, who knows what's going to happen. There's seven head coaching jobs open right now, right? And, again, you get fired because you don't have a quarterback. 
So you know Denver's definitely in the quarterback chase, and we don't know what's going to happen with Seattle. We know the Niners are in their own category. We don't know what's going to happen with Houston, with the Giants. They're probably in the quarterback chase. We know Pittsburgh's in the quarterback chase. Anytime, and this is the reality, there are more jobs than than legit quarterbacks. So, I mean, hell, John Dorsey's in Detroit, and John Dorsey's one of his best friends in the business is in Indy. So, I Baker will have a job, but there is also just just as it goes with those closed door meetings in Berea. There's no way that anybody's saying can't wait to get our hands on Baker Mayfield for a four and trot him out there. No, <laughs> no. Well, that's covered a lot. Uh, yeah. We went a that lot was fast. longer than we normally do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had no idea. I just at, now looked at the timer. <laughs> yeah, we've had this. We've been at this for almost an hour now, and uh, we covered a lot. And there's still a lot left unanswered with this team. There always is. It's the nature of the NFL. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening. So we are off the two-a-week civilized barking plan. Um, I We will do some. Um, you know, talking about who the guys breaking down, who the Browns might bring back and might not basically when there's news, when there's something to dissect, there will be a podcast. So download, share, subscribe, review all that stuff, subscribe to the athletic. Uh, we've got, we've both got some articles coming to fill some time over the next two weeks. Uh, I'm going to the senior bowl in two weeks in between, in between then I'm, uh, I'm going to take a couple days off. Uh, I will podcast from the senior bowl. So it might not be till then. It, it might be, before that but um like this this podcast crushed this year in terms of listeners and growth so thank you guys for that um we'll see what happens but we appreciate it and like i said just just keep us in mind it, it might be 10 days it might be um you know two weeks plus until it gets a mobile but but we'll be back with another one and damn we did cut cover a lot of bases i mean we hit 35 40 before but we i don't recall going to 50 right yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been anyway, a long time. Enough of our victory lap. Um, <laughs> yeah, listen, this is interesting. This is this is intriguing. It, it's different from the other quote unquote mega important off seasons because the Browns were always trying to build or trying to take that next step, and it feels like now they're they're trying to not fall off the cliff. They're trying to get to the top of the mountain without falling off the cliff, and it feels like legitimately it could go either way. Thank you for listening. 